Hey guys, this is Chelsea Schaefer and this is The Score. This is the Team Roping Journal's venture into the world of podcasting. On this show, you'll be able to bring the Team Roping World's movers and shakers on the road or to the office with you. They'll be telling stories and talking through some of the issues facing this sport. As the editor of the Team Roping Journal, I'll be your host. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of The Score, the Team Roping Journal's podcast. Hi Caitlin. Hey Chelsea, how's it going? Good. Um, So this episode, as we are coming on the 12th edition of this, is a little bit different because it's our first one with a producer. And if you're going to do one with a producer, I don't know many better, maybe bigger characters than John Johnson to do a podcast with. John um, stopped by our office a couple weeks ago. Uh, We were working on some promotions for the USTRC um, National Finals of Team Roping. And John stopped by, and we got to visiting. And this was kind of a cool one. It's kind of one of my favorite ways to do a podcast because I just said, hey, this conversation's going really well. Can I turn on my recorder? And we just kind of did, and it was really natural and organic. Um, if you don't know John, Caitlin, that was your first time meeting him, correct? Mm-hmm. First time. He was super nice and easy to talk to. and Yeah, you picked just, him up from the airport, huh? I did. Yeah, he played. It was a, it was a good ride. You know, you kind of never know with these kind of bigger dogs. You never <laughs> know how their drive's going to be, 30-minute drive. And it was it was probably one of my favorite drives I've ever had, picking <laughs> up a stranger that I've never met before. You got to play Uber driver. I did. Lyft, Lyft driver, I guess. <laughs> so John's JX2 Productions, it's based out of Tennessee. Um, and he, obviously he's from the South. He, if anybody knows him, um, you know him as Mr. Moonshine, because I don't know if anybody's listening to this that ought not to be or that's going to get John in trouble, but you can always count on that guy to have something good to drink um, if you visit him at a rope and so... Definitely say hi to John, introduce yourself to him, because his calling card is um, his southern hospitality, for sure, and that kind of shows in every which way you meet him. So if anybody knows a little bit about me, I'm from the East Coast, and one of my favorite things about John is that he really serves kind of an underserved market back there. He is passionate about his people. He promotes what they do. He always is one to tell me stories and to pass along the good word about what might be happening back there. And he's so in touch with his ropers. He There's no strangers at a JX2 roping. And that's whether or not you are in Tunica, Mississippi, um, which, by the way, the big Vegas of the East roping is this weekend. And um, if you're listening to this the week of Labor Day, I guess. Um, but and Or if you're at the his Cheyenne roping, his Cheyenne, um, the daddy, he's put it on, I believe, 12 years now. So... He's just really great to work with. He's always really willing to talk and really willing to be open and candid. And he's got really big things for working in kind of a smaller market. He's got a lot of big plans for the coming couple years. I know I've gotten privy to some fun information about things that he's going to roll out, and I think everybody's going to be excited. Well, I know I sure enjoyed this conversation with John. I hope you do too. So listen, let us know, write us an email, and... um, Leave us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or however you're listening. Hi, John. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the Boulder office of Active Interest Media. Surely glad to be here. I appreciate you guys having me here. And you guys are all, so for anybody listening, the big wigs are in town. Everybody from our, across the associations are here. Tell me what you guys are doing in Boulder. Well, Carl had uh, contacted us a few weeks ago about coming in and trying to do some media releases for the USTRC National Finals, and of course... 
USTRC is very strong in the East, and we're really proud of that. So I jumped at the opportunity. Anything I can do to promote the finals and promote our production companies and promote the sport, I, I love doing it. How long have you been with the USTRC as a producer? Oh, wow. We produced our first USTRC Roping in 1998. So 20, going into our 21st year, finishing up our 21st year. Where was that? It was in Harriman, Tennessee. And uh, it's a long time ago, but uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, it's really amazing how USTRC, through all the changes over the years, has remained pretty darn strong in the East uh, with our affiliate programs and what have you. It's um, it's something else how the, the sport has grown out there. Yeah, talk about the sport back East. What's the culture like? Well, you know what? Um, I can honestly tell you I'm, I'm really proud of how things have come about in the last several years. Um, I really felt like when we first started putting on events um, that the East was probably a decade behind the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is not not just um, uh, as far as the classifications go, but the type of horses, uh, the type of events, um, maybe uh, even as myself as a producer, the knowledge that I had to do bigger and better events. I can honestly tell you in the last 10 years, really changed, especially in the last few years. Last year in Oklahoma City, Ropers from the East won over $800,000. At the finale in Las Vegas, $1.1 million. Um, you know, we have a big finals there in, in uh, Jacksonville that pays out over 400000 cash. There's two or three qualifiers around there that pay over a quarter of, that, a, quarter of a million. So uh, the amount of money people rope for, uh, the, the horses they ride, how they dress, how they rope, it's really, really changed. That's awesome. And the cattle that you rope, where do those cattle come from? You know, that's one of our biggest problems. One of our biggest issues is keeping quality cattle. Uh, a lot of the climate there is not conducive for it. And a lot of our, we, there's not what you would call ranches and, and cattle suppliers in our part of the country for team roping. Uh, we have managed to get a few guys that uh, are starting to get some cattle from Texas and cross some cattle over and a lot of Mexican cattle in the, in the southeast now. But uh, a lot of natives, too, are used. You know, as we get into the Atlantic seaboard over there and we have to go further northeast, the issues we have is you hardly have anybody that has more than 80 or 90 head. So we just had a roping in South Carolina, for example. I had three different cattle contractors. That makes it tough. Yeah. And so those are some of the issues that we have. It's probably my toughest one to get around. But, you know, most of the things, uh, I have a guy named Cody Warner in Mississippi that does most of the supplying of our cattle now. And uh, he's got some good connections, worked out with some guys in Texas. And and we've been fortunate to have some good Mexican cattle for the last couple of years. At kind of every level of the sport, there's a lot of discussion about how you can grow the sport. And if you can grow rodeo, team roping at all. Where is the growth back there? Well, there's a, I, I, you know, I think below the Mason-Dixon line, I think we're doing about all we can do. Um, Jay Holmes has a great place down there in Sarasota, Florida, and he's part of our association and has some good ropings. And you got Ed Allen over in Alabama, and and uh, we we cross pretty much all over the southeast, and everybody's on the same page, and everybody's uh, putting on good events. And to be honest with you. Um, obviously getting new ropers involved is a way we can get people there to rope more uh, and get more people involved in it. But uh, the greatest opportunity for growth east of Mississippi is in the northeast. Some great opportunities there. 
There's a lot of ropers in Michigan that don't go many other places because, and in all fairness to those guys, uh, for the first time in about a decade, I attended the Ohio and Indiana Classic this year, and it wasn't any other reason, but my schedule hasn't allowed it. We used to go all the time. I've seen a lot of ropers from Michigan and Ohio and the New York area, and um, they said, hey, we'd love to come to your events, but it's 12 hours. Yeah. So I think we've got to do a much better opportunity or do a much better job of giving those guys opportunities to get a card in their hand. And I'm not saying flood the Northeast with half a dozen ropings, but I do think there's an opportunity to go up there and put on two or three really quality ropings and get those guys from that area back back roping and get some new members too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, you know, I pulled the demographics on the Ohio and Indiana roping and uh, Indiana, of course, the most ropers came from Indiana and on Ohio, the most ropers came from Ohio, but the second state at both those ropings was Michigan. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's my goal is, uh, that's my, my project in the next several years, if I can stay hooked in this deal, <laughs> is uh, I'd like to venture into that Northeast and do a couple really good events. Um, now, well, guys, a lot of people from your areas come to the Cinch National Finals of Team Roping here in October? You know what? It's a big deal for people in the East. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a thousand miles for us, but, you know, Oklahoma City's a great destination. It's one of the few places that I think could actually handle that that Finals. It's a great host city. Our guys like traveling out there. Um, yeah, it's a big deal in these the people. That's really a, a finals that they look forward to. And, and you know, the, the multiplicity of it allows us some opportunities because you can have you have multiple entry. You've got a ladies' division and a number seven and something for the kids. And, and uh, then there's, you know, some opportunities to rope it down at Guthrie, and they have draw pot options there. So if you don't have a partner, mm-hmm. you know, there's, so there's so it gives a little more flexibility than, than some other finals. So it's uh, it's something that everybody really works toward in our part of the country. Now, nationwide, the 10 is a really popular division. What's the biggest division on the East Coast? Is it still the 10? It's probably the 10. Yeah, you know, it fluctuates a little bit. I will tell you, I'm really, excuse me, I'm really impressed with um, – the numbers were starting to get in the 12 mm-hmm. and the 11 too, but the, uh, but the 10 still holds strong. And, that, you know, that 9's a strong division out there too. But mm-hmm. day in, day out, it has to be the 10 point. And are there a lot of kids coming up roping together with their parents? You know, that's a neat thing about this sport. You know, I have a son that ropes, and uh, he ropes with me and my dad, and that's kind of cool. He gets to rope with his granddad. And, yeah, the, you know, and we, we talked a while ago, I felt like that we were 10 years behind. There are so many kids, junior high and high school rodeo and out there, and so so many little knockoff associations. I mean, it's almost been a hindrance to, to team mm-hmm. open because there's something every weekend. But there's a lot of young cowboys and cowgirls that are doing really well out there. And they've got some really cool heroes. I mean, Luke Brown's from the Southeast, Caleb Triggers. Chad Masters. Yeah, Manny. Yeah, you know, Dustin. Speed Williams is from yeah. the Southeast. You know, some of the – and, you know, we take a lot of pride in that, too. And, and I honestly – we what what our objective uh, is when we put on an event, if it's a World Series event, for example, I'm you know producers no producers, so Troy Shelley is one of my best friends. I try to set my arenas up just like Troy would set up the finale. Mm-hmm. Ty Yost is one of my friends. When we do have different 
ideas and things. I want to stay up on this stuff so when somebody goes to Oklahoma City or somebody goes to Las Vegas or they go out to Ty's place in Wickenburg, those setups are the same that they see. And so we try to work toward that. And I take a lot of pride in those guys that are professionals from out our way. And those guys are class guys. Chad's a class guy. Luke is. And now you got Dustin, who's an upcoming guy. Caleb's one of the best headers maybe ever. And, you know, it's uh, – you know, the kick on the guys from the, from the south has been, you know, they're really good against short scores, but not so much on long scores. Cheyenne was one, two, three. Chad, Caleb, and the mm-hmm. best, you know, headers. Yeah. So, and there's some guys, you know, the, the thing that's uh, kind of interesting, Corey Kidd, Caleb Anderson, Clint Summers, some of those guys are all lingering around that 15th place, seeing all those guys grow up and rope, and, and a lot of those kids do idolize those guys. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of neat to have that. And like I said, those fellas are good people. Yeah, really Clint are. just had an amazing weekend. He won he 9,000 sure this last weekend. So he sure did. And yeah. I think he's got a good shot. Corey Kidd is right there at 15. Yeah, I, you know? I was so excited for Corey. And that guy, you know, there's a lot of those guys, just like out here, mm-hmm. that have that talent. But what part of the problem of us keeping really good open ropers back east is if they're going to make it, they they really do have to come west. They have to come here. Yeah, yeah. they really mm-hmm. do, and that has been a little bit of a little bit of the compression, I think, uh, of why our kids, a guy say maybe that doesn't necessarily want a rodeo, that has a hard time getting better because mm-hmm. there's you know you're only as good as the people you rope yeah. against. Iron them with. sharpens right. iron, as they right. say. Yep. Don't forget, this podcast is supported by U.S. Rider, the premier equestrian roadside assistance program in the industry. You've heard me talk about it every episode since the start, and now I want to give you a promo code so you all can subscribe and save money, too. You get 14 months for the price of 12 with the promo code PC718. That is P as in Paul, C as in Cat. 718. You only get it if you're listening to the score. This is a score exclusive promo code. So head on over to usrider.org and subscribe. You have had a really loyal following too. It seems like guys out call talk to friends in Ohio and Pennsylvania that'll be driving to Tennessee, that'll be driving to Jacksonville. Talk about, I mean, they seem to travel in your circle. It's almost like a string of ropings that you've got to go to. You know, it's been a it's been a really um, obviously a long hard process, a lot of ups and downs. But you know, we we've done some study on on our events, and people travel about two hundred to two hundred fifty miles on the average. That's an average for to come. So, what we what our objectives have been is, hey, look, when you come. We want to have a great team rope, and we also want to have a really good event. I want to have a great hospitable staff. I want you to have fun. We try to implement some concerts here and there and some cookouts and, and some golf tournaments and just things that, that allow people that are having to travel a long way make it a little more than just a little jackpot. Plus, I think when you're, you're good to people and you let them know that you appreciate them being there. I think that means a lot to people these days. And I'm finding that even coming out here and doing Cheyenne, you know, I had several guys tell me a long time ago, oh, those guys out there, they don't care about all that Southern hospitality. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. They appreciate it. And so, you know, competition's tough now for producers. Uh, roping's all over the place. 80% paybacks, rigs, everything else. So 
we try to develop relationships with ropers. I couldn't believe how many people I saw in Cheyenne from South Texas. Like, what on earth are you all doing up here? And it was very obvious what they were all doing up here because that roping was so good. It was a really outstanding event. And you know, um, the guys that, that travel, like you said, that you know, uh, you know, we we I really try to make it a point. Even when I come to Cheyenne, I don't obviously don't know everybody here, but I know a lot of people, and I want to try to make it my I want to try to make it my goal to know every roper in that building. Mm-hmm. And the fortunate thing for me back east, uh, the one thing that I have over let's say somebody like Troy who gets two thousand teams at every roping, we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, we get we had a roping in Tunica, Mississippi this weekend. We had twelve hundred fifty teams, but there was people there from twelve states, mm-hmm. and I knew every one of them. And so we try to make that our business. That's the one thing that uh, I think maybe gives us a little more of an advantage uh, is to develop personal relationships with these guys. And so they'll travel a little more. Mm-hmm. So we enjoy that. Yeah. How much did Cheyenne pay? Have the numbers in yet? Paid out $700,000 in cash. That's awesome. It's incredible. I mean, I would. I want to tell you, I, I went to Prefort last week. They've got some really cool up-and-coming things that's going to help team roping. I heard for their 20th anniversary they've got a ton of stuff. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, Troy was there, and we were talking, and um, he said, you know, I don't know that I've had a roping that's paid 700000 And I was so I was starting to think about it a little bit, and I was thinking, you know, other than the U.S. Finals, the World Series finale, um, maybe two or three, maybe a couple more finals, that might be the largest payout of a roping all, all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of money. What does it for that roping? It's- you know, it's, it's it, you know that roping, we just finished our 12th year, so, um, you know, when Denny first started the World Series, uh, not a lot of people know this, but I was the first guy to do a World Series in Colorado and Wyoming mm-hmm. and Oklahoma. We had a few events out here. He asked me to tag them on. We did, and, of course, you know, he did his deal, but the first first few years... World Series was not something that was booming out mm-hmm. here. And so those prize ropings and the Muley's ropings and the seven-head deal kind of carried that event a little bit. And now it's just turned into the perfect storm. I mean, you got Cheyenne. I mean, Frontier Days. Is, there's probably not a more historic city in our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, then the, the World Series uh, started paying ungodly amounts of money in Vegas. And... I think a lot of the ranchers and and some of the ropers even kind of look at that as their finals now. Mm-hmm. And we had if we put a little twist on it, put a muley roping or two in. It was a little different, and that seven head's always been good. And and all of a sudden, it become a destination spot, a vacation spot. People start seeing how the ropings were paying, and I mean, who you know, all of a sudden a guy can go put up two fifty, have one hundred eighty teams, and win twenty grand. And it was still hot in Cheyenne, but the guys from South Texas were saying it's nothing like South Texas, so that's why they the, came out. Yeah, the weather is, you know, we got out of here before all the bad weather hit, mm-hmm. but but the weather was perfect. The guys come up for that, too. And and, and I have to say, uh, Gary Rodemel does a great job with the steers and the muleys. The cattle are always good. Uh, that that facility's kind of a cool little place. Mm-hmm. It's close to the rodeo. You know, we have a I have a really great staff, and I think it's just a it's just a perfect storm. You know, it's kind of a cool deal. And your staff, how you I find that a lot of roping producers really get a secretary that sticks with them for a long time. Tell me about your team. It seems like it takes a special yeah, crew. Actually, my stepsister is my secretary, so mm-hmm. that helps. And my niece helps with our marketing and our scheduling and our you know all that kind of stuff. And 
And so I have a lot of people. My dad used to help me a lot, and I have a lot of people that have been with me for a while. And everybody, you know, I'm not a micromanager, so everybody knows their job. They do it well. They do it with a smile on their face. And if they have any issues, that's when I get involved. Other than that, I mean, I really don't even need to be there. I think they're just fine without me. But they are all so in tune with what we want to accomplish mm-hmm. as a team. It's really pretty cool. I mean, I from my flagger to my cattle crew guys mm-hmm. to my stall help, they all know what our objective is and and – they just—it's a pretty well old machine. They do a great, but we do you know twenty three, twenty four events a year, so mm-hmm. they should be pretty good. Yeah, at it. They, they get their practice. Um, do you get to rope very much in between all that? You know what? I don't. Uh, this is a fun time for me because from from now until Oklahoma City and then to Vegas, I only have I think I got four events left. They're kind of spread out, so I actually get to practice with my son and my dad, and and we enjoy that. Uh, during the year, I also coach middle school basketball. And you my, do. I do coach <laughs> middle school basketball. And my son, oldest son, plays in high school. Mm-hmm. So from January to about June, it's nuts up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't get to practice hardly any. In the weather, you know, you're from back mm-hmm. east, so you know if you don't have an indoor facility, it's kind of tough. Back east, you just outed me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but, but you know, it's uh, we don't get to practice a lot. Uh, most of the time it's uh, run a few steers the day before the rope and yeah. that's about it definitely right. now how many kids do you have? I have two sons one's 13 going in 8th grade and one's 18 going into his senior year in high school do they want to rope for a living be roping producers what you know what do? Mason does my oldest one loves it craves it um, he really he really wants to uh, wants to run his company someday mm-hmm. which um, is really exciting for me um, and I'm really excited for the Ropers East of Mississippi because um, he kind of enlightened me that he wanted to do that at an early age. So what I've been doing for him is I've made him develop his own relationship with those guys. Mm-hmm. He takes care of his own business. And uh, he's really – I let started letting him produce one rope in a year at the house. And like since I had to go to Prefort last week, he really kind of went over and set that whole U.S. roping up at South Carolina and – and he's getting he's getting a good schooling, but he he will be so good for those guys because he understands it, and he understands them, and he has his own relationship with them. My youngest son mm-hmm. is strictly a ball player; he won't even <laughs> he won't even get on a horse. That's funny. So that's kind of you know you know mm-hmm. how kids are night yeah. and day. So I'm really proud of him too. And, and you know, as kids, uh, I just want them to have a passion for something mm-hmm. and love it and and stay focused on it. And I'm I'm very fortunate to have two healthy athletic kids. Yeah. Now, I've seen friends that have had businesses and their kids kind of never took interest in it. And then they kind of fizzled out because they knew they were doing it, you know, they were they couldn't take the business to their grave. Where you, ha- knowing from an early age your son wanted to take over, that's got to keep fueling you. You know what? And, and I, I like to think outside the box a little bit. So, you know, I'm already thinking, I mean, we have we have a deal. You know, he understands my expectations of him. So he's going to go to college for four years, and he's going to go to work for me immediately. But he's still going to get his degree. Mm-hmm. And it's allowed me to start thinking about making Cheyenne a little more special and making my finals a little more special and maybe adding an event in New York. and mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, so I'm starting to think maybe I need to, like, when he's ready to take this thing, is focus my deal on some 
four or five major events mm-hmm. that I can really make grand and let him kind of do the everyday kind of stuff. That's cool. Just the dynamic between you and your son is going to have an effect on team roping for the next 50 or 100 years. So Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I, I, and I, again, I'm really I'm proud of the fact that he wants to do it because it's been a, a labor of love for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the stories are endless, <laughs> and I'm sure all producers have them, but it's the changes that have been made in this sport over the last 20 years are just phenomenal. What are the most common misconceptions about being a team roping producer? Well, of course, the number one overall is everybody thinks you make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, oh, man, he's getting rich until they try it. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, you know, we, you know, over the course of 23 or 24, I mean, really and truly, Denny Gentry is the master of all this, and we all know that. And I'm so thankful for him and Connie for giving me an opportunity literally they laid the groundwork for me to have an opportunity to do something great and uh you know but that's uh the mis- the biggest misconception is that you make so much money doing this and you know what obviously we do it for a living so it's not like if we if we didn't we would get out of it but man there's so many ups and downs in it and and the competition's so tough now and you know it's a recreational sport most of my customers are blue collar people so mm-hmm. when the economy's not good, we have to think of different ways to, to do things. So I've, I've tried to keep my finger on the pulse of, of what's going on. Um, we try to offer U.S. Ropens, World Series Ropens, Prize Ropens, and try to just, you know, stay ahead of this deal. But yeah. uh, it's not easy putting on Ropens. I mean, nothing is, but uh, just the fact that... Uh, the facilities are a little tougher where we're at. Cattle's a little tougher. You know, like, our haul bill and our steers and stuff is outrageous. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's outrageous. And most of the facilities that we go to, not most, every one of them except the two private facilities that I use, are not set up for team roping. Mm-hmm. So we have to haul two two truckloads and trailer loads of equipment. And we're there a day early and we stay a day late. I mean, it's just the it's what we've chosen to do. Sure. But it's a... You know, in, in, you know the arenas in Texas are set up. There's two arenas. Mm-hmm. You know, the cattle are close by. So we have a lot of expenses and a lot of other things that other guys don't deal with. Was there a time in the last 20 or so years that you thought, I'm not going to make it or I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm getting out? You know, you know, my wife Penny and I went through a lot. And I'm telling you, uh, the first, goodness gracious, Probably the first five or six years, we had our house mortgage. We had credit cards maxed out. I remember some ropings that my brother used to be involved with our company. And, you know, I remember he and I, we would sell our timing equipment to pay our staff. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, there's been lots of times mm-hmm. that I would, you know, I remember her coming to me at, when we started that NTRL after, like, 2005. She said, hey, is this going to work or not, you know mm-hmm. I mean? It's time to, and I, you know, I don't know why, but I just felt like that it was, if we just stuck with it, that it would, that it would all work out. Was it just all the sticking with it, or was there like a lucky break anywhere along the way? Or? Oh, no, it, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot, so many people ha- have helped. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was one guy in particular that, uh, you know, a guy named Rick Bart, who used to be involved with Echobrand from West Virginia, mm-hmm. and uh, man, uh, he, he he just uh, and Larry Tucker up those guys in West Virginia and Mike Hall and and of course you know Denny's given me some opportunities and 
the Bray family has been good to me. My from, call from, helped me from, get into from the from yeah. beginning. Yeah. You know, uh, the list goes on. Absolutely. It, the breaks, you know, we've had it. We, we got a few breaks and got a couple bigger opens. Um, saw some ropes grow, you know, and obviously um, the products have got better and the money you can rope for has got bigger. And so. You know, we just trying to stay ahead of it, stayed after it, made some good connections over the years with the right people, mm-hmm. and they believed in what we were doing and kind of gave us some push along the way. So it's been been a cool deal for me. Really been fun, and it's been tough, but it's been fun. And yeah, the the whole the whole business with without the people uh, that have helped us as far as sponsors go, we would never made it. I mean, we wouldn't automate it, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just the relationships that I have with people is probably the coolest thing about this for me. And and I and with, for, for the sake of not sounding corny, uh, <laughs> like, I love sports. And I, I, the thing I love about sports is, I tell people all the time, they give you moments exactly. that you can't get in any other walk of life. They just give you those moments, good and bad. And it's almost taken for granted now. I don't, but I, like, I saw we had a six-point rope and this weekend in Tunica, Mississippi, and a lady about in her mid, probably mid-40s came and roped for the first time ever in her life at a rope, and she won second place and won a buckle and was ecstatic. That That's cool to me. Mm-hmm. A 12-year-old kid in Cheyenne, Wyoming, draws Alan Bach in a seven-head and backs in the box. That was so cool. Backs in the box <laughs> with a legend in Cheyenne and wins 25000 that's cool to me. That was so cool. That was my favorite moment of the whole week at Cheyenne, for sure. That, that kind of stuff drives me on this like, And we take for granted now because there's so many trucks and trailers and stuff given away, and we give away hundreds that people take that for granted. How many people in their lifetime get an opportunity to win a $60,000 prize or win $25,000 or have that moment? So, again, for the sake of not sounding corny, to make some of those dreams come true is really a thing that drives me in this yeah i know i'm I'm sure there's so many people out there like me and my husband who are constantly just trying to make it trying to make it what a five thousand dollar break does for our year unbelievable just five thousand dollars going the right way and not losing it unbelievable Mm -hmm. and you know and you really can make an impact on people's lives and to me that's really cool Mm -hmm. i mean I, i just love the thought that that i'm in a position and i do something that really can have a profound impact on somebody's life. That's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite parts of our jobs. It sure is. Definitely. Really neat. Well, thank you so much, John. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that's it. fun. You What's should come good? to the office here in Colorado more often. And I'll come anytime. <laughs> All right. Thanks, John. Thank you. Well, guys, that's it for that conversation with John Johnson. Check him out at his rope ends at JX2 Productions. And don't forget... I know, I keep saying it. Leave us a review on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, however you're listening, and share it with your friends. Thanks!